are always taking these things that are common experience between, you know, human nature, I think, and then they help us to see them in completely different ways. Like, how many of you have been driving around in a van and were thrown out at full speed? That usually happened to you? Yeah. yeah you know, no, that, yeah, oh, we do have, we might have a story back here. All right. So, um, but that's not the point. It's just, but I think what you two and what Bono's doing here is helping us to see, though, that every single person who's alive, experiences what it is to be stuck, though. And, um, like, my favorite image this whole, of that whole deal was when he was laying on the ground and the people were walking over him. You know, anybody ever felt like that? Where you just go, life is going by, everybody seems to know where they're going, they're making accomplishments, and I'm not. And I'm stuck. That's really frustrating. And I think that, to me, when I watched that video, that was the common sense of, of human nature that I think all of us seem to really struggle with. Personally, when I thought about being stuck, every image that came to my mind, I, I, there were many times when I was prepping this message, I go, okay, think of a time when you were stuck. And every one of them had to do with travel, right? Like either you run out of gas somewhere and you're stuck, or you get a flat tire, or you're sitting in the airport, you know, and you have a delay and you're stuck. I remember the one that came to mind uh, specifically was when I lived in Ohio, and I was driving back to uh, Michigan for Thanksgiving, and I was on I-80. Anybody ever been on I-80 by Cleveland? Okay, three of us. I can tell you, if you're on I-80 in Cleveland in the winter, I mean, the winter storms are just nasty. And there was a huge, huge storm. And you're on the freeway with all that snow. And you know when it gets so bad that there literally are like two ruts that your tires need to be in? And that's all you've got. And so your whole effort is just to stay within those ruts. And I'm driving, you guys, you got to check this out. I was driving a Nova. Anybody remember the Novas? Yeah, every service has laughed at my car. Thank you very much. Because Novas were a joke. I mean, they really were. I mean, they had no handling whatsoever. I'm going down the freeway, probably about 45 miles an hour, following everybody. And all of a sudden, man, in a second, I'm, I'm spinning and I'm doing circles. I'm doing, and I did three 360s right down the, down the middle of the freeway. And then, boom, I was off the road and boom, and my car was sticking straight up like this. And you're just sitting there. Okay. Now, it's not too hard in those moments to realize this is not where I'm supposed to be, you right? This is stuck. And, and what was hilarious is by the time they actually came, the wrecker came to me, this, the roads were already cleared off. I had to sit there forever. And you just know this is where I'm supposed to be having Thanksgiving with my family. And yet, I think in life, we know what that experience is like. I'm not, this is not where I'm supposed to be. You ever feel like that with your job? It just stuck in your occupation. Ever feel like that in your marriage? <laughs> wait, this is wait, wait, wait. This is not what I signed up for. This is not what we're supposed to be experiencing here. Or maybe not just your marriage, but relationally in general. I feel like so much of the time, I feel like the way that I'm going in my relationships with people is just it's, it's got to be better than this. Financially, anybody ever been stuck financially? Or if you want to go a little bit deeper, how about in your own character? You ever look in the mirror and just go? Am I ever going to get any better? <laughs> am I, am I, is this just the way I'm going to live the rest of my life? Am I always going to be this obnoxious and this frustrating, this temperamental? Or can I ever change? We well, guys, life is a journey, right? It's a journey. It's not static. It's dynamic. Life. So two weeks ago, we talked about that. And we talked about the whole idea that when Jesus created the world, everything that's living produces something. If you're alive, if it's living, that means you multiply, you grow, it produces something. It's not static, it's dynamic to be alive. And so if you're living, life too. And I think that's why we feel stuck, because there's something inside of us that says, I should be 
increasing somehow. I should be moving forward somehow because I'm alive. It's interesting to me. I think God just put that in us somehow to feel that and desire that. So last week we looked at, well, why am I here though? So, you know, so let's look at this because if I'm feeling stuck, again, in most of us means you're supposed to be somewhere else. There's a destination and I'm not there yet. So it feels stuck. And we talked about that last week. Well, what's that destination? And the really, as a human being, the destination, it's kind of a weird way to look at it, is actually just to know God. To actually live this life with him relationally. So that not one second of one day goes by where you're by yourself. And I can tell you right now, you guys, God's on the move. God is not static either. He's dynamic. I think that's why we feel it. That's why we long for something more. That's why we did this series. Do you find yourself wishing there was more? And I'm telling you, if you feel stuck, my guess is that you do. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Here's, here's what I'm talking about today. I'm going to guarantee you something in this statement. I don't care who you are. I don't care how great of a Christian you are or how novice you are. I don't care if you're successful in your business field or your school or whatever you do or if, you're not, if you don't have a job. It doesn't matter. I'm going to tell you something about yourself right here. Who you are today, where you are right now today, is not where you're supposed to stay. I don't care who you are. If you're sitting there and you're going, man, I'm cranking with Jesus, I'm telling you, if you're only cranking at this level a year from now, you blew it. Where you are today is not where you're supposed to stay. God is on the move, and he wants to be on the move in your life. And so I just want to suggest to you a couple things. For those of you, if you're here and, and, and you're just checking this whole thing out still, you're you know, checking out Christ and wondering if, if this could be what reality is all about, that there is a God and that he revealed himself through Jesus Christ. If you're checking all this out, and maybe you're sensing that you're stuck in some area of your life, I just want to let you know that, that where you are today is not where you need to stay. And you can listen to last week's message, because we talked about that, that you get Christ in your life. Now all of a sudden you have a power. You have a person, you have a presence, and it's God who can help you not live a life that's stuck. All right? So if you're, if you're still seeking and wondering, I just want to say just keep seeking, keep wondering, keep, because he says if you seek me, you'll find me, and then you'll know. But for the rest of us in this room who would say, yeah, and I am a Christ follower, and I know, the once I got Christ into my life, I experienced, I'm never stuck anymore. Okay, none of you are going to laugh at that. Are you guys, are you, wait a second, is anybody alive out there? Are you going to listen to me? Can I say every word? I was going to say a bad word. Can I say a bunch of stuff that's not true? And you're just going to go, oh, great, yeah. yeah. Well, you guys know, man, if you're a follower of Christ, do you not still feel stuck? Anybody? Okay? All right, good. I want to make sure I wasn't speaking to me here because I could just send you home. Because what's interesting about this is if you are a follower of Christ, I want you to know today where you are today, you do not have to stay. You do not have to be stuck. And I just want to, today I'm going to do something a little bit different is if you, if you um, I'm actually going to speak to the Christ followers in here today. So if you're still wondering and making a decision, this will be kind of fun for you, I think, because you can get the inside scoop of what it's like to really follow Christ. But I want to talk to all of you in this room today who would say, I follow Christ. And I want to help you and I to start believing that we don't have to be stuck and that we should not be the same person that we were a year ago. And the calendar days should not fly by and everything stay the same. So we're going to pray, 
And I want to give you a chance to pray. Because if you're sitting there and you're feeling stuck in a relationship or financially or just in your own character or whatever it is, this, here's your moment. Sit before God with me right now and say, God, would you please, man, if there's a way I could move <laughs> and not have to be in this whirlwind, this whirlpool of nothingness, and you could kick me out of that, get me traction, you know, those wheels are spinning, and all of a sudden, boom, traction, and, oh, you take off. Would anybody want that today? Yeah, okay, let's, then let's ask for that. Let's ask for it. Oh. And God, thank you that you're alive. We worship you because you're not some dead theology. You're not some ideology. You are a living God here right now, loving every person in this room with a desire and a plan for their life. And God, I pray for us. Would you please speak to each person individually about the reason they're stuck and why it is that we're not experiencing the, everything that you have for us? We talked last night. We know why we're here. It's to know you. It's to walk with the living God. So, Father, if whatever reason that we might be duped into thinking that, well, this is just life, I pray in this time frame right now, you'd help us to see what's really true and what we could be doing. And I pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 through 18. Uh, two of my favorite verses in all the Bible. I've got a lot of favorite ones, but this makes the list. Um, and it just simply says this. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, and we are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Would you, guys, would you guys just humor me today? I'm going to ask you some questions, and I'd actually like you to answer me. So, you know, we're kind of like a little family here. Let's, let's, let's just, just, you know, just engage me. Uh, that'd be great. So here we go. Uh, and again, especially those of you who would say, I follow Christ. First question for you. It says, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, let me ask you, where is the Spirit of the Lord? Okay, okay, in us, right here. See, that's the whole point. I'm not alone anymore. I am a spiritual being. Every human being is a spiritual being. But when you receive Christ, you actually do. The Spirit now is in you. And what does Paul say? Look at this. The Lord is a Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, meaning in me, there's freedom. Wherever the Lord is, there's freedom. See, and when, and when I think about that, I go, see, that's the antithesis of being stuck. Because <laughs> when you're stuck, you're not free. Because if you were, you'd get moving on. <laughs> you would not stay where you were. You would keep moving. And here's God coming to us and telling us out of his word, and if we're going to believe this, then we've got to believe everything, right? And he's saying, wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And you all know, well, that's me. I should be free. You guys see the problem here? Because all of us are going, I'm stuck. <laughs> and yet we're supposed to be free. So then he goes on, and it says, And we, who with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory. And just real quick, just because some of you are going, what in the world does that mean? Basically, in the Old Testament, there was a veil. There was the Holy of Holies, where God's presence was. And then you had the, the, the Israelites could never really enter there. Only the high priest once a year. And there was a veil that separated you. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, you know what happened to that veil? It ripped in two and fell apart. You know why? Because now we didn't have to be apart from God anymore. 
Now the Spirit of God is in you. That's us. If you call yourself a Christ follower today, you are one with an unveiled face. You now have the Spirit of God in you so you can reflect his glory. And then look at it. What kind? How, how does this go on? And all of us and we who have this, we are being transformed into the likeness, into his likeness. Are you? Are you? I know. See, here's the deal. I'm telling you, man, there's something really wrong with the church. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. Because I think most of us will say, no, to be honest with you, I haven't been transformed in a long time. <laughs> and you know what? And we all accept that. See, this is what's, brought, this is what's bothering me. Is we, is we look at the church and we go, hey, you know what? I know George has been an angry, bitter person for the last 25 years, but that's just who he is. And we just go, that's okay. Hey, I know, you know, that I haven't, you know, I hold this grudge, and I've, this person really hurt me. And we all go, oh, I know, yeah, they really did. So, you know, you can hold that grudge, and you can serve on a church board. You can be a pastor and be bitter and angry, judgmental, mean, in the name of Christ. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom because we are being transformed into his likeness. And we should be. And then here's the great part. How? And it comes with ever-increasing glory. See, ever-increasing means what? It means ever-increasing, always. And so here we are saying, well, that's not my experience. My experience with Christianity is, um, you know, going to church in a small group, serving Adventure Canyon, you know, go down to Pioneer Park, and I'm still, my heart is the same. Wait a second. That's not this. So what's going on here? Man, we got attention. We got to figure out what this is. I'm telling you, I feel like we're supposed to be free because that's what the Bible says. <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord is in me, then I should be free. So let me give you an example. I did, some of you have seen me do something similar to this, but when I was growing up, my mom was actually a uh, piano teacher. And so... I can play the piano. Okay, that was only like half of you. All right. So, so, so the question, so here's what's funny though, is, um, see, this is actually all I can do though. <laughs> um, and my wife thinks it's great, you know, and, and it, it is great if you just want to be melancholy and sit in a room by yourself and mope. It's really awesome. But if I actually went to the audition and tried to get on this music team, Rut would just laugh at me. Because that's is that's all I can do. Um, I, if you put a, if you set any music in front of me, it's going to sound really bad because <laughs> I can't follow it very well. And if you want me to play with chords like all these guys do, it's just not going to happen. Any guesses as to why that's the case? Okay, what's that? I didn't continue. I stopped practicing. Do you, let me ask you this: How many of you would say that I would have the gift to play the piano? Okay. I have the gift, I'm just not very good at it, because I stopped practicing it, I stopped working at it. See, and there's a reason. 
because I hate piano. <laughs> like, you know, when I was a kid, man, I was all about football, you know? And my mom used to make me sit on that bench, and I would sit there and cry. I thought, if I cry for a half hour, and I did, she would eventually let me get off. My mom was stronger than me. She never let me stop. And so what happened was, though, as soon as I got into junior high, as soon as I could have really kicked in and learned, I quit. And so I can do that, and I can do no more. I'll be totally honest with you. I, I am. I, my, my dad was a choir director, too, so there's this music gene within me. I think I have the gift. And you know what's frustrating? Because how many of you, as well, took piano lessons, and then you quit, and you're like me? You're not very good. Okay, see, that's why all of us sit out there, <laughs> right? And these guys are free to play. Come on, man. When you're watching Rudd up here, and he's... Do you not sit down there and go, God, I wish I could do that. There's something inside of you that goes, oh, that would be amazing. And especially if you've got the gift of music and you know you can't do that. See, that's, it's just like, oh, man, if I would have kept going, I could have done that too. But I didn't. Okay, follow this. You are a follower of Jesus Christ. If you are, do you know that you have the gift? You've been given the gift. And what's the gift? It's the Holy Spirit of God. You're a child of God, born of His Spirit, so that you don't live one day by yourself. You don't. You have, as the Bible tells us, you have everything that you need for life and for godliness, according to his precious promises. Do you know that? We have everything we need. And what's our testimony? I'm the same person I was last year. I haven't missed a Sunday in a small group, on the connections team, and I'm the same person I was. We've got a problem here. So what's the issue, you guys? There should be freedom and an ever-creasing glory. Where you are today is not where you're supposed to stay. So here we go. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Dearest friends, and I, you know, I, just, I love Paul's starting off. I love you guys. That's pretty, that's pretty much what he's saying. I love you guys. You were always so careful to follow my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, you must be even more careful to put into action God's saving work in your lives. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. You guys, we gotta be careful. And what do we gotta be careful to do? Even more careful. We gotta be careful to put into action God's saving work in your life. You gotta put it into action. You've got the gift. See, in the, in the NIV, New International Version, which I usually teach from, it says you're supposed to work out your salvation because God is working in you. You're supposed to work out your salvation. It does not say you're supposed to work for your salvation. Can we just make that really clear again here? I am not saying, because again, what did I say? You don't work for it. What does going to church do for you, really? What does being in a small group, having quiet time do? You can do religious activity and have no change ever happen in your heart. Any amens to that one? I mean, it's just, we see people who are like that, we experience it for ourselves. So apparently that's not enough, okay? But we should be doing something. What we have to do is we have to work out. Okay, now, now 
really make me happy with this one, okay? Two weeks ago, the guy comes to Jesus and he says, what work must we do? And Jesus looked at him and he said, and the work of God is to Thank you. It's to believe. If you want to work out your salvation, you've got to believe. You have to actually have to trust God. See, because it's not cognitive stuff, because again, we know lots of stuff, and that's not changing us. No, it's actually having faith. Look at this verse in Ephesians 1:18 and 19. He goes, I also I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know three things. The hope to which he's called you. Oh, I pray you'd know that. And then the riches, riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And then his incomparably great power for us who what? Believe. Believe. How many of you, you don't don't raise your hand because that would be boastful, but how many of you could come up here and give a testimony to incomparably great power in your life. Now, some of us would have some stories. I got some stories. But I'm telling you, this is where I get frustrated. There is incomparably great power. There's a spirit living inside of me who can help me to ever increasingly grow into the image of Christ. And I'm stuck. That should cause some dissonance in your heart. And so when I look at this, I go, what's that mean then? It says, you guys, to believe is what? It's what I said last week. It's to say yes to God. Yes. To completely surrender, to say whatever you want, God, that's what I want, and I'm going to go for it. See, because when Jesus left us all, you know, and he was saying to his disciples, the last thing he said to them was what? He said, now go and make disciples. Okay, you know, and just a reminder, you know what a disciple is? In that, in that culture, a disciple was anybody who left father, mother, homes, children's jobs. Okay, not just to follow Christ. Any kid who wanted to be a disciple of any rabbi would do that. And the reason they would follow the rabbi was because they wanted to learn everything he knew so that they could think the way he thought and so that they could act the way that he acted so they could live the way he lived. That's what a disciple was. And Jesus said, go and make disciples. Don't go make churchgoers. Don't, please don't make religious people. Please. Those are the people he fought against the most. People who are self-righteous in their own being make God sick. Don't make that. No, make disciples. People who live like me. People who actually follow me. In fact, I'm going to really try from now on not to use the word Christian anymore. Because there's way too many people who use the word and they defame the name of Christ. And our culture looks at us as Christians and they think we're a joke. And you know what can I just say? They should. Too often. I'm going to use the term from now on, Christ follower. Because that actually has some action to it. That means I'm actually doing it. And that's what a disciple is. Is somebody who goes and and does it. He says, go make disciples. And then he says, what? Teaching them to obey everything that I command. Why am I stuck? Why am I stuck? Here you go. I'm going to give you six reasons why you could be stuck today. And they were really easy to come up with because they're just mine. <laughs> so, so I'm going to share with you my, my six struggles of why I get stuck. And I think we're all going to be able to relate to these. Number one, why am I stuck? The first one is this, because I really don't believe. 
I really don't believe. And this has been the biggest thing for me in the last three years of my own life, since I moved out to Salt Lake, is God's revealing to me that I don't believe. Now, that's pretty weird, because I'm the pastor, so I probably should. might be a good idea. And, but here's how it works, you guys. Uh, there's a book I can give reference to. Uh, it actually, a lot of this came out of the book called Search for Significance, and then uh, through some counseling that I was doing with this guy. And he helped me to see this truth. Every action that we take, everything that we actually do, if you think about it, is, is motivated. There's a motivation to take the action. And usually that motivation is emotive. There's an emotion, something that drives you to do it. But if you stop and you think about your emotion, you'll find that the reason you feel that way is because you think something. And your thoughts actually trigger what you feel. But you've got to go even deeper than that. And what you'll find is the reason you think that is because you believe something. And so if you follow it all the way, that's why the Bible says that faith without action is dead because what you really believe, you will do. You just will. So if you're having problems with your actions, I'm stuck, I'm not living like Christ, I'm doing things that are wrong, I bet you any money you can go back and it's really a belief problem. Let me give you an example. So in my family, I've shared this with you growing up, no conflict, right? Everything's good, everything's great, sweep it under the carpet, get along with everybody. So when I have conflict, what's my natural action? Run. Flee. Okay? Get away from it because it's not good. And so I stop and I think, why do I, why do I try to run away from conflict? You know why? Because I feel afraid. <laughs> when there's conflict, there's emotion that rises up with me and it, just, and it feels awful inside. Now, why do I feel that way? Because I think... If I actually go into conflict with you, you won't like me. That's what I think. If I go into this with you, you're going to get angry at me, and we're not going to have a relationship. So that's what I think. You know what I believe? I believe that if you don't like me, I'm not valuable. That's what I believe. I believe that my value comes from being able to be in good relationship with every person. So when an issue arises and conflict comes up, because of my belief, I think this is not going to be a good experience, and it, provide, and it produces fear within me, so I don't engage. Does that make sense, you guys? See how that works? So here's what you need to do. And here's what's so funny, you guys, is, is I know, I can stand before you as your pastor and teach you where your value comes from. You know that you should find your significance in Christ. Right? That if you were the only one alive when he died on the cross, he would have died for you because you really matter to God. I can tell you all of it, and I don't believe it. That makes sense? Do you see how you can be a Christian and get it up here, but yet it's not what you actually believe? And why do we get stuck? Because there's a lot of stuff that got stuck here and it never got to here and it doesn't motivate us to make right decisions. So what do I got to do to get unstuck? Because I'll tell you what, man, you know what leadership is, right? Leadership is conflict. You can't lead without being in conflict. I mean, that's just, you just got to be able to do that. So I got to find my real significance and it's a battle for me. So I want to encourage you, man, if you are involved in an action right now that's not of God, it's not right, you know it's not him, you know it's not what you should be doing, stop and go, now why am I doing this? And see if, it's, see if you can find a, a, a motive, an emotion that's driving you to make that action. Once you kind of go, ah, I'm feeling this, that's why I'm doing that or not doing that, okay? Why are you feeling that? 
See if you can get to your thought. See if you can get to your head and see what you think. And then this is really hard work. Can you go deeper than that and find out what you actually believe that's causing you to think that, which makes you feel that, which produces the action? And I tell you, if you can do that hard, it's, what I, it's hard. It's really hard. I'm not there yet, but I'm better, right? I can actually say, I think I've ever increased in the image of Christ in this area of conflict. I'm so far from what I need to be, but it's happening, all right? Too long on that one, but that's a big one. Why are we stuck? Because we don't really believe what is true. Number two, I think we're stuck because the vision isn't compelling enough to pay the price. In other words, I read one guy, he says, you know, really, you're as holy as you want to be because you already have the gift. The Holy Spirit's in you. You have everything you need for life and godliness, so why aren't you experiencing it? Because you're as holy as you want to be. See, we don't want to pay the price. And I stop and I think about that and I go, I think I'm stuck because for some reason the vision isn't compelling enough. Come on, think about a pro athlete. So I've talked to a few of these guys. Why are they willing to put their bodies through the things that they do over and over again? You know why? Because I tell you what, making millions is pretty compelling. I could have that and for some it's the money. You know what it is for the other people? It's the fame. You mean I can do this and get any woman I want? That I can do this and everybody's going to want my autograph and think I'm the greatest thing? Dude, I will pay any price for that. That's a compelling vision. So I sit there and I say to you, as a Christ follower, what's your vision? And if you sit around and you're stuck, I think some of the reasons we're stuck is we go, I'm not compelled. I think some of us don't really believe that we can become like Christ. I think some of you have been bought, you bought the lie, hook and sinker. Well, this is just who I am. I'm always just going to be a jerk. I'm always just going to be full of fear. That was mine. I'm always going to fear rejection. That's just me. I remember, I remember the day where that, where that re- reality came to me. That's just going to be me. Oh, and I, th- I just see the enemy going, got him. See, and as soon as you just go, well, you know what, basically down here on earth, it's just going to kind of stink, you know. Got my ticket to heaven. Whew, can't wait to get there someday, and then I'll just suffer through my life down here. You know, can I just tell you, See, that's not enough for me. That is not enough for me. Because I've got the Spirit of God living in me. And I should be changing. And so now, the vision for me is getting compelling. That I don't have to be the same person. I can have more love. I can be more secure. I can be less selfish. I can actually care. I can change. See, and when you start to feel like what you could be, then I'm going to, you know what, dude, I'm going to pay the price. And I just want to say, does anybody want to join me in that? Because if you just want to sit around and make it to heaven, you know, go for it, and I'll meet you up there, and let's share stories. And dang it, I want some stories. I don't want to be some vanilla person that the lost world looks at and says, why in the world would I want that? Because I shouldn't have that. Now, man, anyway, all right, so number two. The vision isn't compelling. The third reason I think we're stuck is because we love other things more than Jesus. Anybody out there? Anybody out there a little more caught up in your job? Anybody up there a little more caught up in, you know, getting comfortable and taking vacations and your resources and being, you know, could we just stop right here and say amen and go, okay, now I know I'm stuck. Because I'm not keeping my eyes. I'm not fixing my eyes on Jesus. I'm not seeking first the kingdom of God. I'm not loving him with all my heart and soul, mind, and strength. Gee, why am I stuck? 
Could it be because I don't take the first commandment seriously and I don't love him? I have other gods. And I tell you, if that's the case, if you, if you get your eyes off, it's going to get wacky. My little brother, he, when he was like a sophomore in high school, he went off to run some errands. And we have this long driveway, lived out in the country. And all of a sudden, he comes walking up the driveway. You know? And we're all like, uh, Mike, where's the car? And, and he said, uh, yeah, I, I got stuck. You know? And so we're like, okay, you like in the ditch? Yeah. And so we grab the plank you know, and the shovel, and we're going to go you know, help him to get some traction and get unstuck and get out. So we're driving down the dirt road and stuff, and we go by, and there's no car. And we're like, uh, Mike, where's the car? And he's like, it's, it's back there. Well, we didn't see it. He's like, it's back there. So we do the U-turn, and we turn around. Mike didn't get stuck in the ditch. He ran into the cornfield. I mean, he went way off the road, all the way, and his, I mean, we couldn't even see the car. You could see a trail, and then his car was somewhere in the cornfield. And what had happened was he had went and bought some stuff, and while he was driving home, he was looking at what he bought. And because of that, he went off the road and dove in all the way into the cornfield. Yeah, I'm like, you were stuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know what, you guys? We all know that feeling. If you don't keep your eyes on the road, then you can start to waver off. If you don't fix your eyes. You know, and so what do we have? If you're on the freeway, we have all those uh, little surrogated things. So when you get off, it goes, right? All my kids are like, what's that? What's that? We're like, daddy's just going off the road. So, but you know, and they put those there to let you know, don't go off the road. And I'm telling you, why am I stuck in a cornfield? Maybe because your eyes weren't fixed on Christ. Maybe because you started loving other things in this world. You know what Jesus said? Some seed falls on ground, it grows up, and the cares of this world choke it out. Do you feel choked in your spiritual life? I'm telling you, right there. Maybe you're just loving stuff more than you're loving God. It's pretty easy. Okay, the next one is this. So we're out there in the cornfield, right? Obviously, our little shovel you know, and the plank, we're not going to get him out. And so what we did is there was a neighbor down the road who was a farmer, and he brought his tractor and his chains, and he yanked Mike out. There was no way he was going to get that car out. And there's no way we were going to be able to get the car out. You know what, you guys? The here's the other reason some of us are stuck. is because you're sitting in the cornfield. You got your eyes off the prize. You fell. And you're stuck. And nobody knows it. Nobody's doing this with you. You're living life alone. And I'm telling you guys, I can tell you one reason you're stuck is because we don't have people in our lives to pull us out when we get stuck. And we're all going to get stuck. In fact, what's the scripture say? Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. Two people can accomplish more than twice as much as one. They get a better return for their labor. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble. Because you may stay there for the rest of your life. Can I just tell you something that some of you believe, and I apologize, I couldn't disagree with you more. I'm just going to say it. There's way too many people who think that faith is a private issue. I hear it all the time. Well, faith is a private matter, not Christian faith. It's not. It was never intended to be between just you and God. No, it's a communal issue. In fact, the scripture teaches the only way we ever experience the whole measure of Christ is if we do it together. You were made for this. That's why we did that whole series on running partners. So again, if you're out there and you're struggling, but nobody knows that you don't have any brother or sister to pick you up when you fall, you may stay there for a long time. And maybe that's why you're stuck here today. All right, the next one is that we get, why are we stuck? Is because, simply because we're in sin, you guys. We're just in sin. You know, the Bible says the Spirit's in you. Did you know it also says that you can grieve that Spirit and that you can quench that Spirit's fire? A fire is inside of you. 
But if you're living in sin, it just kind of quenches it. So there's lots of us, and you're sitting here right now, if you're a Christ follower, and you're sitting here right now, and there, you know there's things you're doing that are just totally against God. <laughs> they're not who he is. They're not his character. They're not even what you want to be doing, right? There's sin in your life. And then we go, why am I stuck? Well, that's why. And what we got to do, you guys, we got to believe. And what do we got to believe? That the gospel was for that sin. The gospel is for what you're dealing with right now. And that you can confess your sins and he'll be faithful and just to forgive you and you can keep moving on. Can I just tell you, there are sins, that there's things we do that are wrong. And we get stuck when we do. Can I tell you the biggest one, though? It, I think in the church, is not the sins that we do. Those are called, called sins of commission. There are sins of omission. You know what the Bible says? Look at this. James 4, 17. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Okay, if you're a Christ follower, follower, think about that. Is there anything that God has made clear to you that you should do and you're not doing it? <laughs> oh, okay. See, and I tell you, that's where I feel like I get stuck the most, you know? Because what we do as a church is we go, well, at least I don't drink, you know? <laughs> I won't find a beer in my fridge. Well, holy wow, you know, and then, and then so, so who gives a rip, and, but I don't drink, at least I'm not sleeping around with some other people, and I, I'm like, that's good, but what we do is all of a sudden we think we're these great little holy people because we don't struggle with some of the things in the world, and Jesus looks at us and he goes, yeah, and you know what, but you don't do squat, you don't obey me. And I'm telling you right now, probably every Christ follower, including myself in this room, there's probably a step, something we know we should do, and we just don't do it. And he calls that sin, because you're saying no to God. Let me give a real tangible one. The poor. You know, he's just, Jesus said, very clear, hey, wait a second here, you, you never fed me, you never cared for me, you never visited me, you never offered me any help. See, he makes it very clear, that's what you're supposed to do. And but what do we do? We we don't do it. <laughs> that's a, that's uncomfortable. That's a hard step. And I, okay, I'm being sarcastic here. I'm talking to me. I'm talking about these issues where it's clear what we should do, but we don't do it. And Jesus says, "So what are you going to do? You're, you're actually just going to run away from that? Do you get, you're going to avoid that? Do you, wait, 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 wait. Do you know that then you're running away from me? You know the sheep and goat thing. It's going to happen in heaven someday. See." What we need to realize is who cares if you're not doing all the bad things in the world? The real issue in the church is are you doing the good things? You can sit there and do absolutely nothing bad and never do one good thing in your life, and that's called sin. So maybe you're just not taking a step that you need to take. And if you go, why am I so stuck? Maybe it's as simple as that. Because I know for God with me, he, he often says, well, Dave, that's the next step. You want to you keep doing this ever-increasing thing? That's the next step. And I tell you, he'll let me struggle with him. And as long as I struggle, I stay right there. And as soon as I take the step, I experience a breakthrough. And I can get going again. So, man, we got to make some decisions to believe, to trust, to step out and do what God's telling us to do. And you guys, the world needs that. The world needs Jesus Christ and his love and his forgiveness and his power. And the world sees it. God's plan is for them to see it through you and through me. Okay? Last one is this. Why are we stuck? Sometimes, number six, sometimes we're stuck because God wants us to be stuck. Very interesting to me. This has been one of the biggest lessons I've learned as a Christ follower. Is what God says is, oh man, you bear fruit? That's awesome. Well then I'm going to prune you. 
Okay? Now, how many of you have seen a prune tree? Okay. That's, a prune tree is ugly. <laughs> is a pruned tree producing fruit? No. And so sometimes you're a Christ follower and you're like cranking along, man, you know, you're loving people and you're serving. You got joy and you got peace. And then all of a sudden it's like. <laughs> and you, you sit around and you could give a rip about people. You know, you, you, you read your Bible and it just, you know, nothing makes sense. You pray and it hits the ceiling and nothing. And you're stuck. And you go, oh, wait a second, God. I don't see any legitimate sins I'm doing. I'm, you go through the, all the rest of the list and you go, what's up? And God's looking and he goes, oh, oh, dude, I just, I think you're awesome. Because you actually produce fruit. And when I see somebody who produces fruit, I prune them. I cut them all the way down so they look really ugly. So they go through a desert so they can't do anything so that you get stuck. And you know then what he says? And I'm doing that because if you prune something, what happens? You produce more fruit. And sometimes, you guys, if you're a serious follower of Christ, without exception, if you seriously follow him, you will run into pruning. You will run into desert. You will run into the dark night of the soul where it doesn't even feel like God gives a rip about you. And you know what maturity is? Maturity is you keep walking anyway, even though you don't feel him. God's loving you. For me, that has been the hardest one to believe. <laughs> when you don't feel him, that he's still there, that he's never going to leave you. You have to believe what's true about God. And man, when you get to the other side, he says, oh, I know that wasn't pleasant, but dude, there's a harvest now of righteousness and peace for those who go through it. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who have the Spirit are being transformed with an ever-increasing glory into His likeness. And it's by the Lord who does it in us. It's not by going and doing religious stuff. It's by simply saying, yes, God, take my life. Yes, God, I'll receive your forgiveness when I fall. Yes, God, I'll take that step and be obedient to the commands that you've given me. Yes, God, I actually am a Christ follower, not an American Christian. I'm a Christ follower. Can I just, I, the other guarantee I'll, I'll give you is this. If you and I will believe, we will change. You will not stay stuck unless God wants you to be so he can root you more deeply. You and I will not be the same person as we were last year. Can you imagine? Imagine with me. Imagine your marriage with more love, with less selflessness. Imagine your job with more integrity, with more strength of character. Imagine your life with more love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and self-control. Imagine what that could be like. Imagine what it would be like for everybody who lives with you and works with you. Imagine what this church would be like if none of us in this room were stuck in sin or disobedience, or because we love the world more than Jesus. Imagine if this was a place who said, I'm going to seek him first. I'm going to give him everything I've got. I'm actually going to obey his commands. I'm going to be a Christ follower. You know what would happen in this place? Dude, this place would be on fire. It would be on fire. And the world would finally look at the church and go, what do you have that I don't got? The problem is right now the church, the world looks at the church and goes, you're no different than me, except you judge me. Yeah, I want to be a part of that. No way, baby. I don't want to be stuck. Do you want more?
everything you need, you have. You've got the gift. So are you going to play like me or are you going to play like rut in your spiritual life? You know, you're going to sing in the shower, you're going to sing at Carnegie Hall. Who knows what God has planned for you? Do you? I don't. And I've seen a lot, and I know there's more. And I feel the temptation every day to feed myself instead, to cower, to give up, to sin, because the enemy does not want me to be what Jesus made me to be. So I get people in my life to get me up when I fall. I re-believe the gospel, and I'm going for it. Dana, as your pastor, I just want to tell you, we're going to turn up the heat, man. We're just going to turn it up. I wasn't going to say this, but I, I think I will. I was at this conference this week, and the guy, this pastor was just saying, he goes, one of the biggest fears I have is that I'm going to present my church to God. Did you, did you guys know that's my responsibility? Do you guys know that? It scares the living bejeebies out of me. That I'm the shepherd of this flock, and I'm accountable to God for this place. And he said, the last thing I want to do is set my church before God and have him go, You know what that means? In the Bible, it says that God hates lukewarmness. Either be hot or be cold. But anything that's lukewarm, I will spit out of my mouth. I am not going to be a part of a church that's mediocre, that the world looks at and says, why be a part of that? Because that's not Christ. And I know it starts with me. It does, and it starts with the staff, Andy and Mike and Eric and all of us, the leaders here. But it starts with you saying yes to God so that your life brings him glory, so that it blesses others, and so that you are actually fulfilled. Golly, what are we doing when we don't have to be stuck? Hmm. Let's pray. Father, God, God, just thank you, Lord, for every person in this room. Oh, I just, you know, really can't even imagine what you see when you look at every person sitting here. God, you see great things. You definitely see more than we see. (laughs) You see more than we could even ask or imagine. According to your great power at work within us, incomparably great power, because you are working in us this salvation that you've already given us. Lord, would you please help us to work it out? Would you please help us to put it into action? Would you please help us to make sure that we don't take this amazing gift of the Spirit and the presence of God and then play religious games and seek things that are not you? Lord, please help this church to really be the church the body of Christ, that we might love each other, that we might love you. Oh, Lord. God, Jesus, thank you so much that if we, because you said if anyone says they don't have sin, you're a liar. So we have it. But you also say, but if we sin, then we confess it and you forgive us. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you that we don't have to do all of this so you'll like us. Or we don't have to do all this in the hopes that maybe we'd get to heaven someday. No, thank you, God, that we get to do this because you put it in our hearts. 
And Lord, for whoever's stuck here today, in whatever way they're stuck, would you speak so clearly through the Holy Spirit into their being? And just let them know, God, if you're asking them to take a step, you're going to be, you're already there. You'll walk with them. You'll empower them. You'll strengthen them. It is by your grace. And I just pray that we would be that type of people who get to experience you doing amazing things so the world could see how amazing you really are. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. So we're going to give you just a few minutes to deal with this issue. <laughs> and the first one is, band can come on up, wherever you guys are. Um, we're just going to play a song and give you a chance to take a few minutes and meditate on our will you move? Will you take this step? Will you say yes to God in whatever area that's freaking you out and you're scared to do it in? And we're just, and this, the great song says, it just says, I'm going to dare you to move. And welcome to resistance, it says, you know, this is going to be hard. So welcome to that, but I dare you to go for it anyway. And so I'd love for you just to meditate in your own heart on if you'll be willing to actually be a Christ follower. And if you feel him moving in your spirit today, will you decide today to follow him? Will you decide to receive his forgiveness? Will you decide to love him more than the world? Whatever it is. And you know what's cool? We're going to take our offering right now too. And it's kind of a neat thing for me because I feel like money is just a symbol of our hearts. That's what you, where your treasure is, there's your heart is. And so if you give today, then all you're doing is you're giving your heart. That's all you're doing. You're just giving your heart to God. You know, if, if, you're, not, if you're visiting, don't worry about the money. The church doesn't want your money. We don't need your money. God doesn't need your money. What he wants is your heart. See, so, but if, if you, as a Christ follower, if you withhold then your money, then he says, well, then you're showing where your heart is. So if you want to give an offering today, that means you give because you're giving your heart. As you put that check or that dollar in there or whatever, do that. Just picture yourself going, yes, I'm going to follow you. That's what the offering's about. So let's do this. Let's meditate on this and end the service walking out with Jesus.